Romans chapter 1, verses 18 and 19. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness, since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. Our Father in heaven, we praise you and thank you for your goodness and your mercy, and we thank you for your word. We thank you that the heavens declare your glory. Natural creation points to you, but you have made it even clearer in your word. It's through you and because of you and because of the Lord Jesus that we have eternal life. We praise you and thank you, Lord, and we ask that you would bless David as he speaks with us and that you may be glorified, for we pray in your name. Amen. Today I want to speak to you about what I call the most obvious truth. And I call it the most obvious truth because according to God's word, this truth is accessible to everyone. In fact, everyone who can think knows this truth. And yet paradoxically, many people spend their entire lives doing everything that they can to avoid facing the most obvious truth and its implications. Today I want to start by examining the most obvious truth, and after that I want to consider with you just a few of the consequences related to each person's response to the most obvious truth. Now John has read to you our text, Romans chapter 1, verses 18 and 19. We're going to be looking today all the way down through verse 23. Now, as we start in Romans 1.18, we're really beginning to go into the heart of the letter. The first 17 verses are really Paul's introduction to the letter, and there he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Then he launches into his beginning, opening salvo, if you will, of the letter. Let me read to you again verses 18 and 19 from Romans chapter 1. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness, because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has revealed it to them. These words from Paul are an indictment. They're an accusation. These words are a declaration of the guilt of all mankind, but this is not a collective guilt. This is an individual guilt. Paul is telling us that God is justly angry at every unsaved individual. Why? Because every human being, until he or she turns to God in saving faith, through Jesus Christ, his son, is guilty in one way or another of the sin that is described here. And that sin is suppressing the truth in unrighteousness. Now, Paul isn't talking about just any truth. He has a particular truth in mind. 
This is the particular truth that God has shown to every person who is capable of thinking. This truth is the most obvious truth. And yet people choose to ignore it, to hide it. They choose to deny this truth. As Paul puts it, they actively and intentionally put their efforts into suppressing this truth. Now, what is the most obvious truth? Listen to the first part of verse 20. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, namely his eternal power and Godhead. The most obvious truth is the existence of a God who has two particular attributes that would be invisible were it not for the world that he has created. Paul identifies those attributes as God's eternal power and his Godhead. And according to Paul, this most obvious truth has been evident since the creation of the world. Now, the most obvious truth is not a truth that one must search for. It's not a truth that requires effort to discover. It's not a truth that requires unusual intelligence to comprehend. Paul says that this truth, which people seek to suppress, is understood by the things that are made. The evidence of this truth is all around us, and it's even in us. The physical world in which we live and these incredible bodies which our souls and our spirits inhabit are proof of the most obvious truth. We know that we did not create ourselves. We know that we did not create the world in which we live. And therefore, there must be a creator who's separate from us. We know that we are not eternal. And therefore, the creator who is greater than the creation, must be eternal. We are persons. We have personality. We have spirits. And therefore, the creator who made us must be personal in order to have done so. And so the most obvious truth is the fact that there is an eternal, all-powerful, personal creator. To put it in very simple terms, God exists. Now, this truth is so obvious that it cannot be missed by any person who is capable of thinking. All thinking people, whether they are willing to acknowledge it or not, understand this truth. And yet, until they come to God on his terms, every individual is guilty in one way or another of suppressing this truth. Psalm 14, verse 1, declares God's evaluation of those who refuse to recognize the most obvious truth with these words, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Now, I was once that kind of a fool. I was a self-declared atheist. I chose as the fundamental axiom of my worldview and my philosophy the non-existence of God. 
That was the postulate upon which I built my entire philosophy of life. And for the first 26 years of my life, I stumbled along through my existence as a doctrinaire atheist, denying to myself the only source of help that could rebuild my own broken world. The first step that I took toward becoming spiritually alive took place during my college years in my studies of physics. And as a result of studying physics, I realized that I could no longer intelligently deny the existence of some kind of a creator. At that moment, although I had not yet come anywhere near to faith in Jesus Christ, my status as a fool, according to Psalm 14.1, was beginning to change. But it was not until April 30th, 1983, that I ceased to be a fool. On that day, by God's grace, I was saved through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. On that day, the description of Proverbs 9.10 began to fit me. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Now here it's important to recognize that people who scoff at the existence of God are not merely displeasing God. They're not merely calling down upon themselves the wrath of God, the just wrath of God. They're also cheating themselves. It's true, people who deny the most obvious truth are insulting God. They're taunting him. They're insulting him. They're inviting him to punish them with eternal damnation. But the consequences for the individual of denying the most obvious truth begin long before mortal life ends and long before the unavoidable day on which every human being will stand in judgment before their creator. They pervade the daily lives of those who refuse to acknowledge the existence of God. Now, the French mathematician and philosopher Descartes, who lived in the late 1500s and early 1600s, lived at a time when rationalism and skepticism we're beginning to sweep through the world of Western thought. Rationalism said that only what the mind could discover on its own without the benefit of divine revelation could be trusted. And skepticism went further. Skepticism suggested that even our thoughts and our senses might not be reliable. Rationalism and skepticism set the entire Western world adrift in a sea of doubt, of uncertainty. And Descartes wanted to solve that problem. So he set out on a philosophical quest for a single truth, an undeniable fact upon which he could found a worldview that was not clouded by doubt. He built his system on a famous statement that you probably know, Descartes said, I think, therefore I am. And there was a sense in which he got a good start. 
but it couldn't take him all the way. Descartes was only partially successful. That famous statement is undoubtedly true. I think, therefore, I am. It can't possibly not be true. But because he refused to build his system on divine revelation that can only be found in the word of God, he couldn't solve the problem that he set out to conquer. Very little has changed since the days of Descartes. Today, everyone who refuses to accept the revelation of Scripture and who refuses to recognize the most obvious truth remains defenseless against the doubts that arise from rationalism and skepticism. Now, unfortunately, we live in a world where the loudest voices and the most esteemed people are shouting exactly the opposite of the most obvious truth. I call what they are proclaiming the most declared lie. When I was doing my graduate studies in physics at Cornell University, Carl Sagan was still teaching there. He was one of the loudest proclaimers of this lie. I want you to listen to his opening words from the award-winning video series Cosmos that many of you may have seen. These are his very first words. The cosmos is all that is or was or ever will be. Let me repeat that again. These are the words of Carl Sagan. The cosmos is all that is or was or ever will be. The cosmos of which he was speaking is the physical universe in which we live. Carl Sagan was a rank atheist, just as I once was. He devoted his life and his enormous intellect to proclaiming the conviction that there is no God and that man and all living creatures are the results of an absurdly unlikely chain of accidents known as the theory of neo-Darwinism. The most proclaimed lie is the blunt denial of the most obvious truth. It's being drummed into our heads through the nature documentaries that we watch on television. It's being programmed into our children in our schools and in our universities. The most proclaimed lie is the gospel of the academic world. It's the rallying cry of godless humanism of militant communism, of Unitarianism, which is what I grew up with, and of scads of other isms. Unfortunately, we human beings are easily misled. The more often we hear a statement, the more likely we are to believe it, regardless of whether it's true or whether it makes sense. The most proclaimed lie is the denial of God's existence. This lie holds control over much of mankind. It is one of Satan's greatest triumphs. I want to go back to the text of Romans chapter 1. I'm going to begin at verse 18 and then read down to verse 23. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men 
who suppress the truth in unrighteousness because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, namely his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse, because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Now, according to these words of Paul, when people deny the most obvious truth, they suffer three consequences. And there are more consequences that Paul speaks of, but we're going to focus on these three. The first is unthankfulness. The second is futile thinking. And the third is false worship. Let's start with unthankfulness. Paul says that because people deny the most obvious truth, they did not glorify God, nor were they thankful. Now, we live on an amazing planet, don't we? It's an amazing place. This last week, Myung and I had the opportunity to do something we haven't done in many years, which is to take a little vacation just by ourselves. We took a road trip to New Mexico. We visited Carlsbad Cavern. We spent a couple days there. Then we drove over to Alamogordo and spent a few days at White Sands National Monument. I have literally thousands of photos from that trip. I'm not kidding. Because everywhere I pointed my camera, I just wanted to record it. What we saw and experienced in those places was a stunning demonstration of the creative genius of our God. And who knows what things we have not yet discovered in the earth that are just waiting for us to see that will testify further to his creative genius. We are surrounded by an amazing, beautiful universe. And those of us who know God through Jesus Christ understand that God is continually providing us with sunlight, with gravity, with rain, with oxygen, with protection from the cosmic wind that's constantly coming from the sun. He's providing us with all the necessities of life. And God doesn't stop with just providing us with the necessities. He's created for us a universe that just brims over with beauty. Sadly, when people deny the most obvious truth, they are denying to God the admiration and the thanks that he deserves. In their ingratitude, they are robbing God of what is rightfully his. But once again, it's not only God who is being cheated. When people deny the most obvious truth, they deny themselves the blessing of thankfulness. Now, we live in Hong Kong. In Hong Kong, there is no annual holiday of Thanksgiving. Myung and I have not participated in a Thanksgiving in 10 years. I've explained that holiday to my students, 
I tell them that in 1863, Thanksgiving was officially established as an American holiday for the purpose of giving thanks to God in prayer for the year's harvest. Now, my family of origin are all atheists. I grew up in a Unitarian home. My mother is Jewish. I happen to have two Jewish stepmothers. I have three Jewish mothers because my father was married three times. And wherever in my family we celebrated Thanksgiving, we would do the normal things that Americans would do. We would cook a turkey. We would spread the table with all kinds of wonderful food. But we didn't believe there was anyone to say thank you to. No one actually said it. But as far as we were concerned, the food that was on the table was due to nothing but our hard work and good luck. How sad. Knowing that God is our creator, knowing that he's our benefactor and being able to say to him, thank you for all these things that you have provided is a blessing. When we say thank you to God, we're reminding ourselves that we are not alone in the universe. We're reminding ourselves that we're loved. We're reminding ourselves that our Father in heaven cares for us. Those who refuse to acknowledge the most most obvious truth have no one to thank. They're robbing themselves of the blessing of thankfulness as well as robbing God of the thanks that he deserves. The second result of denying the most obvious truth is what Paul calls futile thinking. Proverbs 1, verse 7, declares this plainly. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Now, recently, I published a book called Science Scripture and Common Sense, a Thinker's Guide to the Debate on Origins. And an entire chapter of this book is devoted to the truth of the first half of this verse. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. You may not realize this, but it's widely recognized among historians of science that the modern scientific revolution is the result of the fear of God fear of the God of the Bible. The foundation of modern science is the belief that our universe was created by an orderly, purposeful God. And therefore, it's ruled by consistent, universally applicable physical laws. This is why we can use spectroscopes to look at the light of distant stars and be convinced that those stars are made of the same elements that we find on our planet. This is why scientific experiment is possible, because the orderly God created a universe that is run by consistent physical laws. Now, that belief came straight from the Bible. And an astonishing percentage of the great scientists of the 18th and 19th centuries were men and women who believed the most obvious truth. 
a large number of them were evangelical Christians. But let's not ignore the second part of Proverbs 1.7. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. It's a sad thing. Our modern scientific world is crippled today by futile thinking that comes directly from the denial of the most obvious truth. Particularly in the world of biological research, any scientist who dares to suggest that life is purposefully designed is viewed by the scientific community as having committed scientific heresy. The insistency that the complexity of life is accidental and is not designed stands as a barrier to appreciating and understanding the mechanisms of life. Scientists who dare to consider intelligent design or who reject Darwinism and embrace creationism are denied funding. They're shunned from the scientific community. Some of you have probably seen the video expelled No intelligence allowed. I think we have that in our library. If you've never watched that, you should watch it. Science, of course, is not the only place where the denial of the most obvious truth leads to futile thinking. Perhaps the most significant area of futile thinking appears in the third consequence that Paul cites here. That's the consequence of false worship. Paul describes this third result of denying the most obvious truth in verses 22 to 23. Professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. He continues in verse 25 by saying, They exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator. Now, when we read these words, it's easy for us to convince ourselves that Paul is only talking about primitive tribal peoples who worship rocks and stones and the sun and the moon But what Paul is describing here is taking place just as much in our modern technological world as it does among the so-called primitive peoples. Even the most secular of all scientists, the self-proclaimed atheist Carl Sagan, the man who insisted that he had no use for religion, could not escape the third consequence of denying the most obvious truth, and that is false worship. Let me read to you the first full paragraph from Carl Sagan's introduction to his series. Listen very carefully. He said, the cosmos is all that is or was or ever will be. Our feeblest contemplations of the cosmos stir us. There is a tingling in the spine, a catch in the voice, a faint sensation as of a distant memory of falling from a height. We know that we are approaching the greatest of mysteries. Do you hear the worship in his voice? 
If you have some time this week, go on to YouTube. Look up the series Cosmos and just listen to his words. Watch his face. You'll see a glow on his face. You'll see a gleam in his eyes. His voice is reverent. It's even worshipful because that's exactly what Carl Sagan is doing. Sagan is doing what Paul has just described for us. He is worshiping the cosmos. He's worshiping what God created rather than worshiping the God who created it. Now, I want to compare Sagan's opening sentence to the Lord Jesus Christ's description of himself in Revelation chapter 1, verse 8. Once again, Carl Sagan. The cosmos is all that is or was or ever will be. Now the words of the Lord Jesus Christ, our creator. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Do you hear it? The parallels are not accidental. Sagan is worshiping the creation, not the creator. He is attributing to the cosmos the divine attribute of eternality. And with those words, Sagan is denying to our creator the worship that he alone deserves. Instead, he's giving it to the creation. You can actually see all three of the consequences of denying the most obvious truth in Sagan's words and in his teaching. Unthankfulness, futile thinking, and false worship. Now, you may not know it, but Carl Sagan died 22 years ago in 1996. According to the testimony of his third wife, Andruyan, with his last breath, Sagan was still denying the most obvious truth. He was still committed to the most proclaimed lie to which he had devoted his life. Now, he knows the facts. He can no longer deny the most obvious truth, but facing and acknowledging the most obvious truth after his death was too late to do him any good. As Paul has made clear, the worst thing that people can do with regard to the most obvious truth is to suppress it. The alternative is to acknowledge the most obvious truth and face the fact that there is an eternal, all-powerful, personal creator God. Proverbs 1.7 is true. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But merely acknowledging the most obvious truth is only one step in the right direction. It's not enough to bring an individual into a saving relationship with his creator. Millions of people in the world today believe in the existence of a creator God. Some follow no organized religion. Others are highly religious. Roman Catholics, Muslims, Mormons, Zoroastrians, 
and Jehovah's Witnesses, just for a few, they all gladly acknowledge the existence of God. But acknowledging the most obvious truth or even worshiping the Creator God is not enough to free individuals from the wrath of God that Paul speaks of in Romans chapter 1. Our problem as humans is not merely our refusal to recognize the existence of God. It's not merely the denial of the most obvious truth. Our deepest problem is sin. We're all depraved. We're all morally defective. We all sin in many different ways. But salvation from the power and the penalty of sin can only be found in one way. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In Acts chapter 4, speaking of Jesus, Peter spoke these words, There is no other name given among men under heaven by which we must be saved. The triune God whom we have offended offers salvation to everyone, but only on his terms. Acknowledging his existence is not enough. Confessing our sins is not enough. Trying to please him is not enough. We can't earn his forgiveness. We can only receive it as a gift by trusting in the saving work of his son who gave his life for us on the cross and who rose from the dead to demonstrate his victory over death. As I conclude, I want to face the fact that we have no choice but to live in a world where the most obvious truth is suppressed and where the most proclaimed lie is constantly declared. Let me offer a few words of encouragement as I close. We who know Jesus Christ will not escape from this world, from what the Bible calls the cosmos, which Satan rules until the Lord brings us into his presence. In this world, this world controlled by Satan, people like Carl Sagan and Richard Dawkins, who unceasingly spout the most proclaimed lie, will continue to be in the spotlight. They will get the attention. They will receive the praise. Their faces are the ones that will be on the covers of Time magazine. They will be applauded and quoted by millions. My wife will tell you that I hate the voice of Richard Attenborough. He is a wonderful commentator. He has a charming grandfatherly voice, but I hate it. I hate his voice because in every nature documentary that he offers the commentary for, as he showcases our beautiful planet and its amazing creatures that are all created by God, he sings the praises of Darwinism. These self-proclaimed experts are impressive. They're influential. 
Their confident declarations sound very convincing. But as you watch those nature documentaries that explore the marvels of our universe, don't be cowed by those narrators as they deny the most obvious truth and proclaim the most declared lie. Instead, tune out the voice and just be wowed by God himself as you observe the evidence of his creative genius that is all around us. The natural world is so intertwined, it could not possibly be an accident. Don't be phased by the endless drone of the atheists who refuse to give God the credit that he alone deserves. Instead, be amazed by this beautiful planet and all that God has created for us to enjoy. Be amazed by the patience of the God who waits for people like me and brings me out of the darkness of atheism into the light of the truth and life in Jesus Christ. Don't be fooled by the scientific establishment that does everything it can to exclude God from the consideration of all that he has made. Instead, be ruled by the truths of God's word. I know this sounds corny, but I'll say it anyway. Don't be cowed, be wowed. Don't be phased, be amazed. Don't be fooled, be ruled. Now let me close with one last observation. Although it is true that the greatest voice that broadcasts the most proclaimed lie comes from the scientific establishment, science is not the enemy. Science is not the enemy. Good science recognizes God. It applauds his handiwork. It was scientists who not only acknowledged the most obvious truth, but who used that truth as the basis of their scientific investigations who brought us the wonders of modern valid science and modern technology. We need more scientists who are willing to explore God's wonders while giving him credit for what he has done and allowing the knowledge that he is the creator to guide their investigations. Christians should not be afraid of science. Good science will lead us to appreciate ever more deeply the creativity and the genius of God. Perhaps God will call some of you or some of your children to the task of science. Remember these words from Psalm 19.1. I think somebody shared them with us today. The heavens declare the glory of God. That's true. The heavens declare the glory of God, and as we watch the heavens, as we look at all creation, it's our duty, it's our privilege, not only to listen to that declaration, but to take it into our hearts and into our minds, and then to declare that glory in our words and to give God the praise for all who are willing to hear and respond to the most obvious truth. Will you pray with me? Father, we do live in an amazing world. In some ways we have messed it up, but we are not able 
to destroy the beauty and the majesty of what you have made. It works so well, even despite the curse, Father. You continue to provide for us the necessities of life. You continue to open new vistas in which we discover things that you have made that have been there all along and we never saw before. Thank you that because you have led us out of the darkness of spiritual death into the light of life in Christ, we can now appreciate those things. Father, protect us from being swept into the most proclaimed lie. Give us the courage to declare the most obvious truth. And Father, I want to pray especially for the young people of Community Bible Chapel as they study in public school or in private school or at university, that you would protect them from being taken in by the most proclaimed lie. Give them the courage to compare what they are taught with your word, and not just with your word, but with common sense. Help them to have the courage to stand against the most proclaimed lie. Grant that they may gladly and boldly say to the world, no, we don't buy it. The triune God is the creator of this universe. He is the maker of all that there is. And he deserves our thanks and our praise. Most of all, he deserves our faith in his son. This is our prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen.